This is Danielle Grouchek, founder of Canine Inspired Change. Welcome to the Canine Inspired Podcast, where we explore the connection between humans and dogs and give you tools to strengthen your bond with your dog and with your community so you can get out there and do good with your dog. All right. Thanks for tuning in this week, everybody. We are joined by Drea Dalzell for part two of our conversation. Um, If you did not listen to part one, go back. Listen to part one from last week. Um, And we kind of ended last week's conversation. Danielle brought up... um, uh, really, Drea's perspective. Well, I just I, this word intersectionality keeps coming up for me. I know it's like a big buzzword, um, but you know, Drea, you are you're a woman. You're a woman of color. You are a mother. You are you're recovery a, a recovery. You're a dog mom. I mean, there's there's you're an advocate. You're a community member. You're a yogi. I mean, there's just so much wrapped up in in you as the individual. Um, and so, like last week, Danielle had said, you know, at CIC we. I was gonna say we are like we are the the nonprofit like like stereotype like female run we are we are white women um, but there's really perspectives that that are really important and we we're working to- on that by the way so if anybody's listening right now we do need a person of color or people of color to come on our board. Um, we are currently working on that. We want to reflect the people we serve. So we're trying to do better and this is part of it. So right. reach out to us by the way anybody. Um, uh, if you have interest. Now, Drea, you do, you do um, diversity, equanimity, inclusivity work, correct? Yes. Um, yes. Sh- share a little bit about that. <clears throat> so I do, um, at, at my place of employment, um, I am on that committee. And it's a newer role for me in the last year. I, I feel like I'm coming up on a year. Um, and it, it was, you know, there were a couple of other diverse members on the committee, but kind of, you know, they, they used the um, term, they, they, they coined it, you know, the white, pale, stale, you know, is mm-hmm. what that committee looked like. So we've really been working on trying to diversify not only that, that you know, committee, but we're looking at ways just to um, reimagine how recruiting happens you know, with those implicit and, you know, non-implicit biases that people have. And it's, it's, it's been a learning process even for me because this has been my experience. So I have a lot of opinion on that end, but again, it comes into that role of, okay, now what do we do? Because I could sit here and talk about my experience all day long, but what is really going to do that benefit? So um, when I first came to the committee, I, the reason why I joined is because, um, it was actually right after um, the George Floyd murder. And I was like, okay, I, I could sit here and let the news fully consume me or I could do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to do something. And I brought the idea to the committee about, it, you know, we're the experts. I work at a, we're in a accounting wealth management. We kind of dabble, we're a service bureau for, you know, I work on the payroll side and um, I was like, we're the experts in money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that's severely lacking for education in our communities. You know, people don't know how to balance a checking account just by knowing that, mm-hmm. you know, they don't know about the benefits of saving and retirement plans and, you know, anything like that. That's just not, I didn't learn until I started working in it. You know, I had to learn the hard way. So it's like, why, why can't we bring the experts, you know, and, and bring that information to people um, who need it. Um, specifically, right now, we are looking towards um, youth communities 
I know um, you're hoping to grow into, you know, there's a lot of people who do work with um, women that are, you know, leaving abusive relationships or starting mm-hmm. off on their own. Um, there's just so many communities that could benefit from this kind of education. So um, we're actually looking into our scholarship funding for those programs. It's been a year in the making, but it's just, it's, it's exciting. But at the same time, it's like, why isn't this already existing in it's, you know, for everybody. Right. So it, right, right when your ego wants to kick in, it's like, this should be, this should already be a given. So I think those are the things where it's like, you want to do good. And then you realize, I can't believe how hard you have to work to do the right thing these days, yeah. you know? And I think that's what I'm learning about it is it's like, you have to say the uncomfortable stuff. You have to be vulnerable. You know, mm-hmm. you have to pull off the mask and be willing to bear those scars out to the world because that is what um, allows people to truly step out of themselves and and see something from somebody else's experience. And I think that's why I am so vocal about my story. Like you said, I kind of, I'm, I'm like the peeling of an onion, you know, mm. there's so many things because it's how many people helped me become right. a part of who I am today. So um, I know I got a little off topic on the DEI, but um, it's it's still kind of new for me. Um, but it's definitely been some, um, some, some growth for me as well. So do you have advice to us as, um, as, you know, as volunteers going into schools with dogs? I think there's a little buffer there because the dogs are the therapeutic element and dogs Mm -hmm. are dogs, right? Um, however, the people, the people attached to the dogs are, um, I would say, I would say for the majority, Caucasian women, but we're serving mostly children of color. So what advice beyond get, get more volunteers that are people of color, which we're working on. um, Do you have advice to us in to do that or in how Uh, we're handling things um, or in general? I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think at this point, you, you know, there's, it's that intention versus impact. You know, you can have the big, the best intentions, which you guys obviously do. And your work is important. Um, but the impact is going to make a huge difference from somebody who's been in those shoes. Right. You know this, you know, right, right. as a, as a recovering alcoholic, you don't want to hear about getting sober from somebody no. who's never picked up a drink. Cause right. I've sat in those meetings. I'm like, next, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. I think at this point, you know, like you said, it's, it's diversifying your, your, um, your volunteers, your team members, Mm -hmm. because people want to see themselves represented. That's the biggest thing. I think about walking into a yoga studio. I think about walking into my place of work. I want to see people who look like me and I, I almost always don't. And I think that's, that is really the only thing I can really say is it, it's going to start there. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's things you could do, things you could, um, you know, but really that's the biggest one. And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned through the DEI efforts is you just, you, you have to have people represented. Um, yeah. Otherwise people don't want to listen. They don't want to hear what you have to say, you know? So um, with that being said, I mean, I know you guys offer training and such for your volunteers, mm-hmm. right? And I'm assuming programs for even those that you work with to, would they have opportunities to um, be trainers and such? Because right. I think that would probably be the best way to somebody who said, hey, these dogs help me. Let right. me yes. show how. And we are always reaching out to yeah. that. Yeah, yep. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so I really appreciate your your input on this. It's definitely something we've been working on for a while, and there's just no other really way around it. I mean, I definitely when I especially when I work at um, uh, Ramsey County Juvenile Detention Center, I at least can tell the kids immediately when I go in. I you know I'm I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic, and I have this many years of sobriety. They connect with me on that. They oh, and I always like joke because they don't. Re- they never remember my name, but I always say how many years sober they have. They know it immediately. They always remember. Um, so you know, I, I can connect with them on that level. However, yep. you know, I don't look yep. like them. So um, we will continue our forces to um, to get more people of color on our therapy um, volunteer rosters, and we absolutely have scholarships for people that um uh to come and take our classes um at no cost for um for people of color so if you're listening to this and you work with an organization please do reach out to us we are reaching out to a lot of people right now as well um it's an ongoing thing and we will continue to do it traditionally the therapy dog industry is you know white women <laughs> retired white women and my, our producer mark jokes around it a lot and says hey if i hadn't met you i don't know if i would do therapy dog work because i came in you know this upstart and i've got tattoos and i was a little bit younger when i started canine inspired change and also um we we did something new within our uh curriculum in that it was working with kids we were doing agility we could take younger dogs we could use like if the dogs aren't settling uh, we could use that as a tool to help hey have you to the kids have you ever felt like you couldn't settle you know so we started to do i kind of came in and, and did my own thing um and uh and so, but now, so that's, so that's good, right? Right, expansion. Um, but now it needs to take us take it a step further, um, and and getting more people involved of color. So, so yeah, we definitely are committed to doing so, um, and we appreciate just you being on. These are some small steps we're taking, um, and if anybody is hearing this, just reach out to us on. Um, uh, on on any one of our social media sites, and we would be happy, ec- ecstatic to offer our courses to you. Well, I think you know, Danielle. I think we're also getting, as an organization, we're getting to a point where it's been around for a while and it's well established that some of the the participants, whether they're like younger kids or even you know kids that we've interacted yep. with at, at Ramsey County Juvenile Detention mm-hmm. Center, they they're like, I have a dog at home, right? You know, and so I think we're kind of planting the seeds, right? Of, you know, we want we want you to come work with us, right? Like, come come train your dog with us, and we want to see you just yes um, help us evolve this this program. Yep, and create a youth advisory board of the kids that have been through our programming and things, and of course all of these things the seeds were planted for this and then all the programming stopped so yeah. we are picking right back up though and we're gonna hit their ground running and get get all this up and running because we, we you know we need to have we need to be advised by the people we serve yep. i mean that's just how it goes there's no way yep. around that um so thanks for your input yeah absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely now drea you're in st cloud yes what was the transition like for you from going from the Southwest to, to Minnesota? It was a big transition. Um, it, uh, you know, going from, you know, so I'm, 
I'm Hispanic and I think a lot of people are always confused looking at me of what I am because I've heard everything. Um, and when I, you know, so I was used to the immigration population being, you know, those coming from Mexico. So people that I understood the culture, you know, so, um, it, when, when I moved here, not only did, was it just a big shock as far as just, a, just, just a lot of differences, but, um, in St. Cloud, there is a large, um, refugee population, the Somali population. And it's something that I'm not, um, I wasn't well informed about, you know, so I just didn't know. So it, there were so many new things for me. So it was a very difficult transition. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm sober, so I'm starting to go to meetings. And what I'm noticing is the demographics and sobriety are huge are widely different as well in the area. So, um, I was having trouble finding women, young women, um, and God, don't even say a woman of color, because I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you in the meetings that I have been to that it's few and far between. Mm. So um, it's just it's it's different. It is different. And um, it was a really difficult transition to a point where there were times and, and I still have a conversation with my husband of, you know, I think about my kids. I'm already removed from my culture, from my family. Mm. You know, that just removes them even further from anything of you know, my family's culture that they would even have a chance to know. So there's been thoughts of me wanting to go home for that, you know, mm -hmm. but it's like, no, we can, you know, we're happy here, but, but I still have a responsibility, you know, not to mm -hmm. lose touch with my culture, to um, immerse them in other cultures different from mine because it's where they're living. So it's, it's been a transition. It's been, it's definitely been challenging at times. I will say that for certain, um, but we're adapting. We are adapting. And thank God for that. So can you tell us about the work that you're doing with Karuna Community? And then also, do, don't do you have a podcast, ma'am? Yes, yes, I've been MIA. I have been MIA just because, you know, life. But Let's um, talk about your yeah. podcast and then also we'll link it in the show notes so people can. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. Yes. So um, Live True, that's kind of, that's, that's my jam, you know, um, going through sobriety. It's the um, authenticity, it's the vulnerability, it's the being open and honest so that others feel that they can do the same. And my podcast, I talk about, you know, my experience as a woman, a mother, you know, walking mm -hmm. through this crazy world. And um, it's, it's a platform for me. I, I love writing but I was finding that I was having a hard time writing. So I was like, you know what? I don't have trouble talking because I can't shut up half the time. So let's try this deal, you know? So Listen, it's, it's the yeah. era of, it's the era of the podcast anyways, Absolutely. but you know what? Yay. Because it's, yeah. you can say what you want. It's uncensored. It's not sponsored for, I mean, for a lot of us. And so we can yeah. just get content out there and be true to ourselves yeah. and just be like, this is just like real life messy. And awesome. I made a mistake and this is yeah. worthwhile to say it. Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. And guess what? None of it is precious. So right. we can just kind of yeah. show up for each other. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like it's been some major work on my ego because there's oh, that yeah. That's perfect. That is never going to happen. No. And I may, I may have changed my perspective from that last episode to this one. Yeah. Now. yeah right. And that's okay too. Yeah. That's okay too. So yeah. So that's been my, my dabbling in the, in the podcast community. Um, and um, my work with Karuna is still new. I am a newer board member. 
Um, I actually just did a workshop with Mike, who I know you've had on the show. Yeah. Um, we love a- Mike Melios. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes we do. Um, and we did a workshop with some of the lawyers and judges in the state on just providing those mindfulness tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and with my perspective coming through that criminal justice system, it's like compassion, right? Compassion, compassion, compassion. I, I can't bring that home anymore right. than there's nothing that would change somebody's scenarios and make them feel like a human being when they're going through that process. Yeah. Cause it's the most degrading thing I've ever gone through ever. Um, and dehumanizing people who make mistakes, I think is just probably one of the things that breaks my heart the most, Mm -hmm. you know, when we try to criminalize somebody, when we see something on TV immediately to justify that we're doing something that's okay. Um, it breaks my heart. Um, so yeah, I think I connected with Corona for that specific person is if I could have felt like a human being, it would have been a little easier to go through, Um, you know, and I was lucky I had support, right? Not many people that are going through this process do, you know, and I think treating treating people like human beings is only beneficial to the whole society as well. Like if we're looking to rehabilitate or to rather than incarcerate or just punish, then treating people like whole human beings that have made a mistake is only good for everybody involved. I mean, that's another big piece dogs bring into it is just compassion. Like they don't care if you are the uh, person on trial or the person trying them, you know, Mm -hmm. they could care less is they, they deal with you on a moment to moment basis versus upon what you're giving them energetically. And like, if you're kind to them and whatever. So, um, we are actually talking to a a County, um, in the area about, um, providing some dogs in, uh, juvenile cases and things as a as a comfort to the kids as they're going through yeah yeah so we're constantly working within the the system you know there's a lot of steps you have to go through sometimes to get there but we, it's definitely oh, yes. you know I, I'm always rattling those chains um and I do think there is a courtyard or a courthouse dog right now in Ramsey County which is the yeah the dog is in just the courthouse yeah so you know people get it um yeah yep. Go I'll team. Yeah. I'll <laughs> never forget when I was actually going into the prison and they had the, the, the working dogs there yeah. to sniff the things. And you know, everyone's like terrified. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to pet him. I know. <laughs> like, it was the most comforting thing that I yes. experienced. Agreed. Least, even though he would have probably ripped me limb to limb had he been instructed to, but I was right. like, I don't care. Right. Uh, him being this close to me makes me feel better. So right. yeah. I remember when I was first getting sober and I was seeing a therapist just for the first time digging up some stuff. And mm-hmm. she had a dog. She had a, her own golden retriever that was there. And she would, and she said, you know, um, some people like him here. Some people don't. And I'm like, please have him here. Like, I can't tell you how comforted I was by that animal. It was like, I don't know if I would have gotten through some of this stuff. So, oh, uh-huh. gosh, I, I totally get all that. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm so happy I have a new friend, Andrea. Thank you so much for um, being on, and please do 
reach out to us if we can be helpful to you at all on your journey. Um, and we will link your podcast. Mm -hmm. And yeah. also, um, if you know there are any organizations or schools in your area that might uh, benefit from our programming, we would be absolutely interested in speaking with them and see if we could um, provide resources in that area as well. Um, and and um, also, if, um, if you have any references to us of people of color that could come and advise us, come on our board, or even... Um, take our courses we would love to uh, offer all that up as well so let's go team yes i'm excited <laughs> get your your information out there so absolutely yeah thank you for having me it was wonderful drea thanks so much well thank you for tuning in everybody don't forget that we see i see you you matter and get out there and do, do good, good with, with your dog, dog.